PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com. For Backstripe Show Podcast on a Monday, I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Today's episode, Stripe Show Podcast, brought to you by... Right over my shoulder here for those looking on video on YouTube about golf, about golf simulators. One of the best in the business. Mine is lit up, ready to go. Probably play a little nine this afternoon as it looks like it might rain once again outside my window here in my new studio, Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. Hope everyone is off to a good start this week. So much going on in professional golf right now. I'm going to bring in my good friend, Damon Hack, here momentarily, the anchor of Golf Today on Golf Channel. Used to work with Damon back in the day, if you will, on Morning Drive. And uh, we'll catch up on some old stories. But I really want to get into Damon's head here on navigating these waters that is professional golf right now. He is in the middle of it. PGA Tour, LIV Tour, you name it. Lots to discuss there. One name that we will discuss, and I know he knows this person very well, and that's Will Zalatoris. Now, for you longtime subscribers of the Stripe Show podcast, you know Will Zalatoris was on this podcast when we very first got, we got started. And Will, of course, had that great run at the U.S. Open. And then he got a sponsor exemption the next week into Corrales Putacana. And I asked Will to come on, and this was before he really started to take off. He was spending much of his time, of course, on the Corn Ferry Tour. And then as he started to get some invites, we started to learn about Will Zalatoris. And then, of course, the great run there in the U.S. Open, the one that Bryson DeChambeau won. And Will came on, and, you know, he's just, he's, he's just a great young man. And he got into Corrales, I think, right when we were talking on the podcast, and I told him, I said, look, I said, you're going to go down to Corrales. You're going to play in this PGA tour event and you're going to be the favorite. And he kind of wait, wait, no, nah, I don't think so. I'm like, no, nah, I think you're going to be the favorite. And sure enough, I think he was either one or two going into Corrales. He finished eighth. Uh, he's a top 10 machine. He's been knocking on the door since coming onto the PGA tour. Of course, he's a full member. Now he's in the playoffs. He's number one in the FedEx cup. And uh, I think he's going to win this thing. I, I really do. I think he's going to win this whole thing. And I think it's a great, great story for the PGA tour. And it was interesting watching that tournament transpire throughout, you know, into the third round late on the third round, I sent a tweet, a snapshot of the, of the leaderboard. And I was like, man, this is not ideal. This is not ideal. And perhaps I jumped the gun a little bit and knowing that, look, a professional golf event, is four rounds. And this was late on round three. And it's amazing. And sometimes we got to be reminded of this, at least I do, that in that fourth round, everything changes, right? Because it kind of hit me. Everybody that plays professional golf to this point in their career, professional golf are four-day events. Thursday, Friday, you have the cut moving day on Saturday, and then it's Sunday is a completely different animal. How do you handle the pressure? The chips are down. Can you put a tournament away? 
And of course, I bring this up because in LIV, there are three-day events. And three-day events are very different than four days. And of course, a lot of you think, well, it's just one day. But when you're trying to, you know, pick out the best player for the week, that fourth day is everything, especially when you've been trained in professional golf that these are four-day endeavors. And late on a Sunday is championship pressure, especially in major championships. Major championships are four days. The players' championship, all the big tournaments are four-day events. So all of a sudden, here we are now on a Monday morning after the fourth day, and, well, Wills Altoris wins the event. And then there's John Rahm, there's Colin Morikawa, there's Justin Thomas, all of these guys moving up into the top 12, top 10, and all of a sudden the leaderboard looks very different. And of course I get the pushback. Well, Travis, there's other names. We have to have other names and great stories. And I get that. And I'm all about that. And oftentimes really here on the podcast, we get out in front of those names, like we did with Will Zalatoris, like we did with Cameron Young. We had him on the podcast when he was on the Corn Ferry Tour. We get out in front. I like these names. I like introducing players to my audience that I think have big upside. And then it's fun to watch them develop into household names like Will Zalatoris. Will Zalatoris has become a household name and a face now of the PGA Tour. I think Cameron Young is a win or two away to becoming more of a household name and a face of the PGA Tour. And of course, all of this then comes full circle when you look at the Corn Ferry Tour event that just finished last week, and now you have the top 25. Congratulations to all those 25. You'll be seeing some of them on the Stripe Show podcast. A lot of the players that I think will make the jump and do well in the PGA Tour, we will introduce you to them right here. Brandon Matthews probably being the first one. He finished 10th big guy, bombs it off the tee. I think he's got a lot of upside. But here comes now this new rookie class next year, 25 players. And it, and it made me think, well, how are, how are the previous 25 doing, right? That wraparound, that extended long season doing the COVID, all of these guys, how did they do with their season on the PGA Tour? Well, let's just take the top 70, right? That's what we're down to right now. The top 70 are advancing to Wilmington. Well, of course, Will Zalatoris, he was part of that crew. He's first right now in the FedEx Cup. Davis Riley, he was part of that 25. Corn Ferry Tour 25. He's had a great year. He's 26th right now in the FedEx Cup and has improved. His iron game has really improved this year, flourishing. He looks like he belongs. Sahith Thagala. We've fallen in love with this guy. He's 27th right now in the FedEx Cup. He was part of that Corn Ferry Tour 25 last year. How about Cameron Young? You remember that name? I mean, Cameron Young feels like he's got three wins already. And, and I'll admit, I'll admit, I made the statement that I thought Cameron Young would f- get a win before Wills Altoris, and I was wrong. Cameron Young, <laughs> the guy's been knocking on the door so many times. But Cameron Young is a part of this mix and, and very much already a part of the fabric of the PGA tour. How about JJ spawn? JJ, excuse me, Cameron Young's 13th, by the way, currently on the, uh, on the FedEx cup, uh, JJ spawn came from the corn Ferry tour finals. So spawn didn't make it as part of the 25, but then they go back um, the next group from the corn Ferry tour. And then the bottom group from the PGA tour, and they go to the corn Ferry tour finals and they play from there. JJ spawn made it through the corn Ferry tour finals down in Southern Indiana. He's currently 30th 
right now in the FedEx Cup. Trey Mullinex did the same thing. He had a nice tournament. He's 40th in the FedEx Cup right now. Mito Pereira was part of the 25 that graduated from Corn Ferry Tour their regular season last year. I told you about Mito coming out of the Corn Ferry Tour. I said, this guy has big upside. Damn near won a major championship. He's 41st. How about Kurt Kitayama? He's made the transfer nicely. He's 48th. Taylor Pendrith is back playing well. He's 67th. He came from the Corn Ferry Tour top 25 last year. Alex Smalley, you've been hearing me talk about him a lot. He's 69th right now. He'll be playing in Delaware. And I miss Christian Bezadenhoff. He's 60th. There's 11 guys from the Corn Ferry Tour fabric that are in the top 70 right now. That doesn't even take into to, to um, equate the, the other 50 that kept their card. And there's plenty of names in there from 71st to 125. So these guys have made the, they, these guys have made the jump and it's cool. I love it. The Corn Ferry Tour is working. It's the AAA, if you will, of professional golf. There's so many names that have won so many tournaments on the PGA Tour that cut their teeth on the Corn Ferry Tour, learned how to play, learned how to travel, do all these things, and then come up and make their hay on the PGA Tour. So congratulations to the new 25. Congratulations to these 11 that are in the top 70 and moving on to Delaware, Wilmington Country Club. I'll have all things you need to know there tomorrow. Beating the Bookie is back. We'll be debating LIV and breaking down <laughs> the BMW Championship. So look forward to that. But we got to get to today. We got a lot to get to. Uh, a lot of questions I want to ask Damon about Zalatoris, LIV, these lawsuits that are going on. So let's bring him in. My buddy, Damon Heck. Glenn Fittich, the world's most awarded single malt scotch whiskey is expertly crafted and made with extraordinary care. Each single malt is a work of perfection. And joining me now, straight off of golf today, he just goes right around the corner, pops his phone up, and he's joining us here now on the podcast. Damon Hack, how you doing, man? Travis, I'm great, buddy. How have you been? Family's good? Summer's good? Yes. Well, it's a lot better now. We had a great summer, but as you know, you get to that, you get to the end, and it's like, okay, it's time to go back to school, right? So, Kids back to school, all good. Exactly right. Right with you. Ours aren't back yet, but a couple weeks away. All right. Well, let's get into the golf. There's a little bit to talk about. You guys have been doing a great job, by the way. I mean, this is not easy stuff to be navigating. And of course, what I'm referring to in, in professional golf is the PGA Tour and the LIV. And we'll get into that. I've got some questions for you, but you guys have been doing a nice job navigating and educating, I think, the audience on, on, on where we're at. But I want to start with the FedEx St. Jude Championship. Um, first playoff, 125. And, and finally, our boy gets the win, right? I mean, we, we knew it was coming. We, we knew Will Zalatoris uh, was going to get a win. But I got to ask you, have you ever seen a playoff like that? I, I, I was standing up from my couch like, what am I watching right now with this ball up against on the rock? Sep is lying four on the, on the, <laughs> on the green. And that was crazy. It was so nuts and the ball that will hit it's literally dancing on the rocks and, and anyone who's played golf on a, on a hole like that we've been there where your ball is yeah you're looking for the good bounce you know 99 times out of 100 you don't get the good bounce. that ball's bouncing around and, and then it you know ultimately finds a watery grave instead his stays up there but it's right. wet between that rock and grass and you're thinking 
is he going to try to actually hit this shot? And then new relationship with this caddy, your first time with a new caddy, and, and you're having to talk through that, not to mention the the shot, the tee shot on 18, where they're having to talk through, um, you know, the bad bounce on the cart path and whether to go for the green there or or to lay up. And, and both decisions were right. I mean, you're talking about some big-time decisions happening in real time, and, and, and they pulled it off beautifully for that uh, win number one. Yeah, they did. I mean, I think Will wanted to hit it. I think he... I think he wanted to hit it off yeah. those rocks and, oh. and boy, new caddy. I mean, he was right under the gun, right out of the gate. You knew he was sweating too. Like oh. I got, I got to step in and let my voice be heard here. And he did. Yeah. You don't want to you know, you don't make it to the PGA tour. If you don't want to hit it. I mean, that's the thing that right. guys are so good and so talented. There's not many shots that they don't think they can pull off, but to have the, the really the presence of mind to talk through it with his caddy mm-hmm. and, I mean, Will, as he hits the shot and it's dancing on the rocks and the camera goes to him and he's like, he's got food in his mouth. He's like, <laughs> put on food, like, like, like as if it didn't even bother him or, you know, no body language at first, but he was so composed throughout. It was as if he had like 20 wins, you uh-huh. know, on, on his resume, not a guy searching for his first. He's impressive. I mean, he, he really is. I mean, Will's out Torres, he's 25, um, you know, Texas kid, Texas didn't, didn't want him because of his putting. I mean, he's been hearing about this putting for a long time now. Yeah. So he comes to Wake Forest, which is obviously a great school. Yeah. Um, you know, he's in the Corn Ferry Tour in 2020. I was looking up some of his stats, and it's just absurd. I mean, he's won at every level, but he had 11 top 10s in 16 events. <laughs> um, he had the one win in Colorado and six top 10s in nine starts for major championships. I mean, let me say that again. Crazy. Nine starts, six top 10s in major championships, of course, a couple seconds. Um, you've spent some time with him. You've yeah. interviewed him. He's been on the podcast before. Um, share with my audience, this young man, Will Zell Torres, the, the kind of guy he is. Yeah, a, a couple couple quick stories. One is we've had him on golf today, and – my old partner, Shane Bacon, and I, we have this thing where when a guest comes on, if we get them to say, that was a great question, you know, <laughs> it's like five bucks, you know, and we kind of tally whoever, whoever at the end of the week, you know, gets five bucks or 10 bucks. And, and so we had Will on and like Shane's asking these questions and they're good questions, but there's nothing less than crazy. And every question Shane asks, Will goes, man, that's a great question. Let me think. <laughs> And it's going on for like five. I'll ask a question and he'll just say, well, yeah, you know, I hit four iron or I'm trying to then I start digging deep. I'm like, you know, tell me what you were thinking about this. And I'm, and he's giving me nothing. And Shane saying, you know, you know, why is the sky blue? And Will's going, oh, that's a great question. So, <laughs> so finally at the end of it, like I, I realized what was going on that Shane had texted him beforehand and said, this is what, this is what I want you to do to Damon. You know? <laughs> so that, that tells you a little bit about the kind of guy he is, likes the practical joke. But then I ran into him at the master's. And he's walking down to our little media area and he carries himself, Travis, like a guy who has been on tour for 20 years, just back straight, shoulders back. You'd have no idea that he hadn't won yet on the PGA tour. He carries himself like he's been around for a long time. Like he's a veteran who's won majors and, and won FedEx cup titles. And it was so cool to see him in person. And we laughed about that great question moment. In fact, he saw me, he goes, Hey, great question. (laughs) You throw it back in my face, but he carries himself like someone who's been around forever. He's got an old soul, uh, likes to bust chops. 
And, and it was cool to see him win because I texted his coach, Josh Gregory, a lot. And he's talked about how hard that Will and he have worked on creating games, simulations, hours, anything to simulate tournament pressure, to make putts, and mm-hmm. the, the process play out the way it has, you know, making some big putts in the match play against Hovland and Nah, you know, the, the big par saver on the 72nd against Justin Thomas, very similar to what we saw yesterday on the 72nd hole um, in the regulation in Memphis. So he's got this treasure trove now of memory bankers of big putts and dude, look out. He already yep. carried himself like a 20 time PGA tour winner. And now I'd be shocked if he doesn't end up there at some point uh, through his own dent in talent. Yeah, he's on his way. I, I think he's going to win this thing. I, I do. I think he'll continue on and I think he'll win the FedEx cup this year. And I think it'd be a great story for the PGA tour. I really do. I think young guy, next face, because he's been, look, he, he's been not only a force on the golf course and getting close and almost winning some major championships, but he's been a force off the course and a voice for the PGA tour. I mean, Rory obviously kind of carrying the torch and JT has been out there, but I'll tell you what, Will Zalatoris is right there. He, he, he's right there with them. And I mean, look, he, he could, he could have kind of looked with the other way. You remember when he first came out, he, he didn't have any status because of that wraparound season, the weird mm-hmm. thing with the corn Ferry tour. And he was having to get invites and there were some people in the uproar, like, come on, just give him his membership. He's good enough. But the tour, of course, when these are the rules and, you know, so, I mean, he could have a little bit of a slight with the tour and the way that he came up, but no, I mean, he's just like, look, this is where I want to be. Um, I, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I want to make money. I want to obviously be rewarded and no one's made more money than he has without a win going into last week. Um, but it's, it's more than that, isn't it with him? And it's, you get the, you get the feeling like he's, he loves the PGA tour and in the history and the legacy means something to him. Really does. It's, it's so well said. I mean, Wake Forest, absolute stud, you know, Cameron Young has talked about everybody wanted to chase Will Zalatoris and that fascinating dynamic of a college team with talented players where you're pulling together, yes, but you're also trying to you jockey for who's number one and who's number two on the team and who's going to travel, who's going to sit home and, and, and the, the kind of dynamic game that he had in college and how it's carried over so nicely to the pros. And he's found his voice inside and outside the ropes. And, and you mentioned outside the ropes, could have gone the other way. Um, it's interesting to hear, and I talked to Josh Gregory today on our show on Golf Today, and he said, listen, Will Zaltors wants to win trophies. He yeah. wants to win. Um, it's, you know, we can say it's easy to say it's not about the money. Yeah, everybody wants to get paid, but the guy eats up the history of this game. You know, you mentioned his Texas roots and originally from California and grew up at the Cal Club. And, you know, Aaron Oberholzer, you know, looked up to Aaron and grew up a Warriors fan. So when he makes that putt in the 72nd hole Sunday, he quotes Steph Curry, you know, what are they going to say now? Yeah. After he makes that putt. So, found his voice outside the ropes as a guy who Jay Monahan and the tour can lean on like a Justin Thomas, a, a Rory tiger, John Rahm, who's uh, kind of preached their loyalty to the PGA tour and man inside the ropes. He is an absolute baller and, and yes. what asset he is to the PGA tour. Yeah. His, his mindset, I think has changed a little bit inside the ropes. Josh came on about three months ago on the podcast and we were breaking down his short game and the putting and really the specifics and some of the things that he did. And I was, I kind of told Josh, I was like, man, I don't really feel like Will is that bad of a putter. I think he gets kind of a bad rap. Um, I know it kind of looks weird inside three feet and this and that, but I'm like, I, I mean, he's not, you know, he's not, I don't think he's going to win a putting contest, but I don't think he's a bad putter. I, in fact, I think he's continuing to get better. And I think 
we we've seen it play out here that Wilson Torres can putt, folks. Like this oh. isn't. I mean, let's let's just get past this narrative. Like, oh, he can't putt. Yes, he can. I mean, and it's getting better. Um, it may look a little goofy inside three feet once in a while, but I give him a lot of credit uh, working through that. You know, one thing that hit me, Damon, when I was watching this tournament was how different the leaderboard looked after the third day versus the fourth day. And wow. I just sat, and I just sat there and I was thinking to myself and I, and I tweeted this out, I took a snapshot and I was like, man, this isn't ideal after the third round. I mean, you know, and I have all the respect in the world for the Brian Harmons and the Lucas Glovers. And, but in today's climate, right, it's red hot. I mean, these big names and like, you know, it's a red hot topic that getting the Wills Altors and the Colin Morikawas and these top 10 players and Tony Finau elevated, getting some name value on that leaderboard. And all of a sudden here comes the fourth round. And everything changes. All of a sudden, there's Morikawa, there's Rom, there's Adam Scott, there's JT. Just like that, <laughs> the cream is rising right up to the top with Will getting his first win. And then it makes me think, well, okay, if we're going to have three-day tournaments over here in the LIV, I just, I just think when you, you, you've been bred your whole career, professional golf is a four-day tournament. And yeah. if you're trying to establish the best player every single week and certainly over a period of time, that Sunday round is huge. That Sunday pressure is huge and it filters it out and the cream rise to the top. And we saw it again in Memphis. I mean, I tell you what, I've been to majors and PJ tour events and on Sunday, I tell you what, the vibe on the grounds is so different than Saturday or Friday or Thursday. Mm -hmm. The players feel it. The caddies feel it. The fans feel it. The media members feel it. And the leaderboard tells the story it does it, you know all due respect to jj spawn who, who got his win this season he disappeared he, he was gone on, on sunday he can get can get sideways really really fast for some players and that's the that's no indictment on 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 jj that's just golf that's that's tournament golf at the highest level and and the jt's have been there and, and lucas glover is a major champ who's who's won a lot won in uh Charlotte years ago and, and has been in, in some battles. Um, Will Zalatoris has proven his medal uh, on uh, on big stages. And I think the vibe on a Sunday, and, and it's been so fun for me as a, as a writer first and now on TV to have been on campus for some of these moments. And man, the, the feeling on a Sunday is just so different. So much is at stake. And it's, it's not just the stamina, though that's a huge part of it, but it's also the feeling of of what can happen, what can be won and what can be lost. There's nothing like that feeling on a Sunday at a big time tournament. Yeah. I I think you got to have it. I I really do. And boy, it's everything. I mean, you look at the, just like you said, uh, JJ backed up, Trey Molnix backed up. Yep. You know, I mean, there's some players that back up on Sunday and we see it. And I think learning how to win and face that pressure late on a Sunday, man, just adds to the champion. That is, I I think Xander's kind of went through that to some degree. (laughs) I mean, Tony Fina has certainly went through it to some degree. Yeah. And now they're, they're coming on, they're coming out of that a little bit and they've learned how to put some away. And all of a sudden, I mean that now their status, I think to me is even elevated even more versus winning a three-day tournament or a three-day exhibition, which takes us to, I mean, we can't have a podcast without talking about LIV now, can we? <laughs> not, not 2022. Tell me how sick of it that you are when you go to, a party, the grocery store, the golf course, and they say, hey, Damon, great job on Golf Channel. What do you think of that LIV? I mean, how how tired it would, how quick does it come into the conversation? Is it like the second question or is it the first? 
This is so good because I was at the boys' uh, friend's 10th birthday party on Saturday. Kids running everywhere. Parents that I haven't seen in quite some time. It's it's the second question. You know, okay. it's the obligatory, Damon, how are you? And then it's always the – because no one's ever asked me this before. I got to ask you about Liv as oh. if they're the first person to yeah. say, I ask you about Liv. It only happened 17 times at this party which is kind of low. I was expecting about 25, but buddy, it is the story that won't die. It won't quit. And I just love how earnest people are when they're like, like, Hey, Damon, like, listen, I, I, I want to ask you something. Cause I know no one asked, you know, what, what's yeah. really happening with this lift <laughs> as if they're, they're the only insightful person. I say, I mean, there's two things. It's, it's been good for discussion. It's been, yeah. it's been good for business as it were. People want to talk about it. The, mm-hmm. the casual golf fan is kind of fully locked in and they, they're curious about why they're not seeing DJ and Phil and Brooks and Bryson anymore uh, week to week. So, you know, there's that kind of old adage about there's no such thing as bad publicity. That's kind of where we are right now in golf long-term. I don't think it's going to be healthy to keep talking about lawsuits and antitrust and whatnot, but man, this has given us a, a meaty story. And purely mm. as a journalist, you know, and you said we're all kind of learning as we go. I mean, even us as reporters and, and and podcasters and broadcasters are learning and having to make extra calls to people. Um, my late father, I miss him for a zillion reasons, and and I would have loved to have picked his brain. He's an, he was an attorney, mm. uh, and and it would have been gosh, enjoying just the the jurisprudence that we're yeah. having to talk about. So yes, I, I get asked about it nonstop. But also, I know that people are are paying attention, and that's a good thing too. Yeah, yeah, we're paying attention for sure. I mean, I, I know I'm asking a lot of questions. You know, I had uh, Peter Ginsburg, a famous lawyer, on uh, about two months ago, and I was just asking a lot of questions and and just listening to him talk. And he was he was a lawyer that represented Vijay Singh against the tour. He's went up against the NFL. He's went up against Major League Baseball, and it just man, I am so far in the weeds of this discussion. And I'm just like, I'm just trying to take it in from a legal standpoint on how this is about ready to go down. Um, yeah. And then his, his thoughts on some angles that he thinks both sides should take, because even Peter admits it's complicated. These antitrust, it is very, very complicated and it's going to drag out. Now I've been, I've been hearing you refer to a lawyer that you, that you have been talking to and He's been kind of dialed in so far, like through this process. I mean, of course, we had the emergency hearing with right. Taylor Gooch, Hudson Swafford, Ian Poulter, Matt Jones. I'm sorry, Matt Jones, not that. Yeah. And Matt Jones, uh, Ian wasn't on that. But those are the three that wanted to get into the FedEx and play. Right. And of course, the PGA Tour won that. So he had his thoughts on that heading in, but he also has his thoughts on the big lawsuit, the NHRA. Share us kind of some of the insight that you've been getting from him. Yeah, Andrew Stoltman, he's a Chicago mm-hmm. securities attorney who also does antitrust law and has been very helpful to me, educating me on what we're seeing and what we might see. And he was very, very much kind of right on the money. He said, listen, I can't tell you who's going to win this first TRO, but he goes, whoever will win will will crow and, and act as if they've won this big, big battle. And listen, it is important for the PJ Tour not to have those guys take away from the what they think is you know outside of the players championship is maybe the important most important couple of weeks of the year on the PGA tour but he was Andrew was very quick to say that whatever happens in this temporary restraining order case has nothing to do with how the larger case 
will play out mm-hmm. and that there were some warning signs for the PGA tour that Andrew saw. In fact, he thought that some of the ways the tour has acted as he called it textbook antitrust behavior. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, the threatening of the vendors or agents or, or clothing companies that do business with the tour, that if you do business with live golf, you're somehow um, going to be cut off that that potentially could be seen by a judge as a you know textbook case of antitrust you know restriction of, of trade not to mention the suspension for players who we've always called independent contractors so so he thinks that while they lost that TRO case live he thinks that's from here in August that from where we sit today not knowing what's going to happen a year from now when this case probably begins, that the PGA Tour could ultimately lose the larger, broader antitrust lawsuit, which which kind of floored me because everyone kind of thinks, well, they won the TRO, they're going to win this broader case. And Andrew said, be careful, that's not necessarily how this will go down. Haymaker Coffee Company was established in 2021 to create the best coffee to fuel the underdogs who perseveres, who hustles, and have the give-it-all mentality to achieve their American dream. Haymaker Coffee, only roast, top quality, specialty grade coffee beans resulting in brews that satisfies those who demand every drop from their coffee and day. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard, and play hard, we have your coffee right here. Yeah. What's the percent, do you think, percent chance that at some point PGA Tour and LIV come together and work together? Gosh, you know what? I think, I I mean, I I can't say zero because I think people thought it'd be a zero percent chance that Tiger would ever win another major. And we know we we know the answer to that. I think there's always a chance. The animosity, I think, between the two organizations is so strong. I I think it's five percent, 10 percent. And I think it's more likely what, what may end up happening is that once this case is adjudicated, we will end up seeing live golfers potentially competing back on the PGA tour. Yeah. If, if, if my conversations with Andrew, you know, end up being correct, that that could ultimately be the case. I don't see a, a situation where Jay Monahan and Greg Norman are standing side by side, handing out a trophy uh, to X, Y, and Z after winning a co-sanctioned PGA tour live golf event. I, I think already there's too much water under the bridge. Now you got lawyers involved and lawyers fees. And, you know, every time one entity says something, you know, live responds or, you know, or vice versa, or Jay responds with a memo to the players. It's ugly. It's not good for the game as a mm-hmm. whole. I, I'd be shocked if somehow these guys ended up, working together i feel like that ship has sailed yeah you look at it you, you, let me ask you this so we look at it from where it is right now right it's going to court and those three couldn't play and so now we've got liv they're three events in and they've i look i've said many times i think they they sit around the boardroom and i think they feel very good at where they're at right now um in fact i would I would think they're probably further along knowing they got DJ Brooks and Bryson. I mean, those are three significant names. And now rumor has it, Cam Smith, that they get him. I I think they feel very good at where they're at. They've got three um, tournaments under their belt. Now I think they would like to see one of those guys win a tournament, Um, Mm. you know, for the same reasons I mentioned earlier, I think, you know, Charles, again, all due respect, Schwartzel, uh, Brandon Grace, and I'm missing one. Henrik Henrik Stenson, yeah, just won the last one. 
So I think they got to get some of those guys that they're paying the big money for, get the most bang for the bucks, start getting them in the winner circle so they can start rallying around DJ and, you know, Cam Smith, the number two player or whatever. So, um, but I think they have to feel pretty good at where they're at. Now the PGA tour, certainly, you know, it's been damaged. You know, you look at yeah. this, the fragmentation, um, you know, look, I, I want to see those guys out there playing the FedEx. I want to see all the best players playing together and it, and it stinks that they're not playing. And then they're, they're not up in Delaware this week. Um, so you look at where we are, we're going to this antitrust lawsuit. When you look back, do you think, do you think the tour could have done anything differently to maybe at least temper this to some degree, if they maybe got out ahead of a couple different things that they did roll out eventually, because they've, they've known about live for a while. Then this just didn't right. happen. Like they've known about it for a while. Do you think there was anything they could have done differently because Patrick Reed's been vocal uh, and some of the other players who have left and say, well, they shouldn't listen to us. I mean, is there any, any validity to that? Yeah. I mean, that's Phil's contention. That's Patrick Reed's that, uh, that they didn't do enough to, to, to head this off, you know, to the point where some called Jay Monahan stubborn or, or, you know, the tour was stubborn and, and I wasn't in those rooms to me, some of these discussions uh, and arguments predate live. It's always been a question for the tour. How do you take care of the superstars versus taking care of kind of the larger, you know, 115 to 125 guy, you know, and Phil yeah. years ago, not wanting to be forced to play in the fall where, you know, he wanted to rest at a time when some of these, let's just be honest, lesser players were getting a head start in the FedEx cup. So this has been an issue. And I, I do think other sports take care of their superstars. I yeah. mean, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, the superstars of other sports are handsomely paid. And it's not that these PJ tour players aren't, but maybe the super superstars felt a little bit underappreciated. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think the live golf enterprise has kind of just brought that into stark relief. I think it was always there yeah. on, the, on the undercurrent. And once pro golf had the arrival of this upstart, circuit the patrick reeds the phil mickelson's could use their underlying disappointment you know or anger even and and actually use it to to hop and had a place it went beyond venting now they actually had a place to jump to a Mm -hmm. place that has seemingly a bottomless pit of money yeah i think it's fair no i i i think that's a fair statement and I, i i tend to agree with it that perhaps the, the top players, right. Your stars, superstars, um, were being bunched too much with Mm. the next tier and then the next tier, because the reality is there are tiers. That's the reality, right? There's name value in some of these big names. And you know, when the PGA tour goes to sell sponsorships, that there's certain names that are being thrown out there more than others. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Right. I agree with that, but aren't, aren't you a little surprised that just the vitriol, that's the thing that the anger of Phil walking out the door, the way he has and the, mm-hmm. the potential for really hurting the tour where you made your name. Yeah. I'm just surprised at, at how angry that, that the, the reeds and the Phil's are on the way out the door. Yeah. That's been surprising to me. Uh, and I, and I, and like you said earlier, man, 
would have been fun to have DJ in Memphis where he wants hold out for Eagle to win by six. Right. You know, I mean, and and listen, you want to root again. You, you may not like Patrick Reed or Bryson Shambo, but man, when they're in your field, it only adds to your urge to watch them just so you can kind of give them a thumbs down or boom from your couch or whatever you want to do. I mean, you know, sports needs villains. Yeah. And I think that uh, as much as we love Rory and Tony, you know, and JT, you, you, you miss having those kind of other characters that mm-hmm. you're not so sure how you feel about uh, walking the fairways and greens with the players that you love. Yeah. I mean, Patrick Reed drives me nuts. Like, and I've, and I've voiced it and, but yet I like Patrick Reed as part of the narrative. You want him around. I do. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bryson, you know, look, not my cup of tea, uh, but I want Bryson playing this week. Brooks yeah. Kepka. I want him. Uh, Liv can have him. All right. Now, anyway, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like th- these are guys that look, they're different. And uh, it doesn't mean that yet you, you have to be buddy, buddy with them and this and that, but they need to be part of the fabric. And that's the fragmentation of this whole thing. That is, that just stinks, frankly. Like you said, DJ in Memphis. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. I would love to see Bryson on this golf course up in Delaware um, yeah. and the whole bit. So, yeah, it, it's it's tough. And then as they go out, then it's okay. Now you got to listen to it, right? Now you got to listen to Patrick Reed say, yeah, they just didn't listen to us. And, you know, got more time with my family. Meanwhile, he's doing a press conference in Asia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you I, know? I, I just... Be honest about it. Be I honest. David Faraday, who, you know, my former colleague here, he was like, grow the game. You know, that that's, you know, that's a bunch of junk. Uh, they paid me a, a you know boatload of money. So, yeah. okay, at least you're at least you're honest. I, I don't love the decision. I'd rather have him as a part of our team. Yeah. But uh yeah, don't tell me you want to spend more time with the family when you're, you know, halfway around the world. That's just that just doesn't jive. No. No, I mean, less tournaments, right? More money. Meanwhile, they're suing to play more tournaments. Like, stop. Right. Yeah. Stop. And I've just said, look, don't listen to anything that comes out of their mouth other than if there's a money, financial part of it, then then you listen. Because that's the reason. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. There is no other reason why any of them left, um, you know, to go to this, uh, to this LIV. So it's, look, it's, no one really knows how this is going to play out. I'm just. Yeah. You know, part of me, you know, obviously we have two more events. Liv is going to play some more events. We've got the President's Cup, which I think is going to be fractured a little bit, obviously, mm-hmm. from this whole thing. You know, and then you then you go into this fall series, and what does that mean? You know, and then we turn the corner. It, you know, where are we going to be come March at the Players' Championship next year? I, I, it's just, yeah, it's just going to be crazy. Mar- and then and then the Masters, like, where are we at at the end of March, first of April? in professional golf and what does that landscape look like for LIV as far as official world golf ranking points, yes. um, which obviously has changed now with the players um, and what players are going to be playing with them versus the tour, because that's what it's going to be. It's not going to be the LIV has gone. Everybody's back on the PG. That's not what it's going to be. Right. There's going to be two separate things going on and who's a part of who and who can, and can they play both or they can't. So, you know, it's becoming this, PGA, PGA tour LIV. And as Patrick Reed said, we should just play it off. And I think we'd hold our own. It's like, stop it. <laughs> I mean, like that, the lack of self-awareness that just drives me crazy with him, but yet I miss him and I want him back on the PGA tour. Oh, We're all crazy. 
so many questions that will be answered. I talked to Peter Dawson today on Golf Today, myself and Eamon Lynch, and he's on the board. He's the chairman of the board of the OWGR, and, and I asked him, what's the timetable to find out if Live Golf, if they will have their events accredited by the OWGR and actually receive world ranking points for their events, 54 holes. And he's, and he, you know, he just said it's, it's a timetable that has no timetable. It could mm-hmm. take months, could take a year, but that that's one thing to pay attention to, yeah. to listeners is when, when will we find out about that, the lawsuit as well. And what Augusta national does is also on my mind. What will yep. they, will they take kind of the middle road saying, if you've won a green jacket, you can come back. Ie Phil, Ie Reed, Ie DJ, Ie Sergio. Sergio or yeah. do you say, you know what? I, I want no part of you, and 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 you know they can do what they want to do. Right, that's, that's a, a private club, and uh, they they answer to no one but what they want to do. So that's what I'm also watching. And you mentioned the players next year. It would be weird if Cam Smith is the defending champ, and you know the PJ Tour, rightfully so, likes to build up with the brochures and the commercials with the previous years you know, players champ, you know, you know, what happens if there's no camp Smith, that would be a shame mm. considering he made 10 birdies uh, in his final round uh, to win the players. Yeah. Now he's out this week. Just would re- just withdrew from the BMW from a hip, hip injury. Yeah. So hip discomfort. Hmm. All right. I know. Right. <laughs> Damon. Yeah. Thank you. We could talk forever. He's Dodgers. Your LA Dodgers are going to win it. Aren't they? Man, they are rolling. I mean, it's, uh, and considering how bad the Lakers were this season, I'm, I'm happy, glad that the Dodgers are giving me a reason. Dodgers look tough. <laughs> although, although the Mets, I mean, you got to face DeGrom and Scherzer. Yeah. And, and Scherzer, we had them too short a time. Um, I, you know, 88, it was Dodgers Mets. Um, and, and we got the better of Dwight Gooden on the way. That to- was Kirk. That was Gibson. You're right. Game one. Uh, God rest of Vince Scully's soul. Yep. Uh, it could be Dodgers Mets again in the, in the NLCS. My wife's a Mets fan and I'm a Dodger fan. So, uh, you know, it could be a little, could be a little icy around the, the hack household, uh, in a few months. Did you ever meet Vince Scully, Damon? I never did. Okay. Uh, but you know, one of those LA kids who felt like you knew him, my dad and I would go to Dodger games and it was an era where people brought radios to the game. So we, you're sitting in Dodger stadium in like, half the crowd has Vince Scully turned up. <laughs> it, it was the coolest thing. Wow. You know, it's very, very quiet, but you could, you could, he could be sitting across the stadium from where the press box was. And you could hear Vince Scully because everybody had a radio. This is telling you how old I am, but uh, he was the voice of my childhood, uh, Vince Scully in 88. I was 16 years old when Gibby took uh, Dennis Eckersley deep in game one. And mm-hmm. I was at home watching with my dad and, and I was, I was running around the, the, the living room, like, like, a, like an absolute animal. It was just such a cool, wow. cool moment. And Vinny, you know, in the year of the improbable, the impossible has happened. What a great call. Yeah. Well, he was, I mean, he's the best. I mean, according yeah. to, you know, his colleagues, like no one even holds a candle to that guy. I mean, he was the man and, and I think it just speaks to, everybody's listening to him in the stadium for crying out loud. Right. They're like, Hey, we got a PA announcer here. And like, Oh, we're good. We got, I'm at the game. And you know, it's one thing if you're in your car or at your house, but you're at the stadium and you're watching and you still wanted to hear his voice. And as you know, had a big part of, of golf coverage as well was part of Mm -hmm. eight masters tournaments and was an NBC voice with Lee Trevino uh, for many Mm -hmm. years as well. So yeah, I, I I will, I will miss his, his calls because he is an identifiable uh, with the Dodgers as as Sandy Koufax or Jackie Robinson or Kirk Gibson or Pedro Guerrero or or Mookie Betts. I mean, yeah. Vince Scully uh, 
was and is the Dodgers. So you had uh, you had Mike Marshall. Mike you Marshall. Had, you had Steve Sachs. Mickey Hatcher. Mickey Hatcher. Yeah, we had uh, Mike Sosha. Mike Sosha was the catcher. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and of course, Oral Hershiser, you know, 55. Was Pedro, Pedro, Guerrero? Pedro Guerrero. Yeah, Pedro we had. I mean, oh, those are, that's, that's my team. That's my dream team. We yeah. had Valenzuela in the 80s. Fernando. Oh, wow. Oh, there's nothing like it. Wow. <laughs> David Hack, man, keep up the good work. Golf You're the best, Travis. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you.